had the most awe-inspiring conversation with Lorna Davis. Not sure how to even start to introduce Lorna, who's given a TED Talk around connected leadership. She is a global ambassador of the B Corp movement. Lorna is a coach, a leader, CEO, board of director, and most importantly, a dear friend. We dive deep into the waters of our first principle of mentoring vision and what it means to dream bigger than you can imagine. We also dive into the differences between prematurely practical versus positively impractical. You'll learn a lot from Lorna. So here we go. You'll learn a lot from Lorna. Do, do, do. Do, do, do. So, Lorna, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Um, we are here to talk about mentoring and the mentoring journey and setting a vision for mentoring. And we really appreciate it, not only because you have such great wisdom for a mentoring, but because I would always consider you to be one of my favorite mentors, um, as well as an incredible friend. So thank you so much for hanging out with us today. You're welcome. I consider you to be a mentor and a friend too, which is often how it works. And I guess we'll talk about that. <laughs> totally, totally. So yeah, I'll kind of kick off the conversation and then Jimmy's going to jump in as well, just because you and I know each other so well. So um, Lorna, you are part of our number one uh, first module as part of our mentoring journey, which is really around setting your vision. Um, because when we sat down to think about how do you really set up this mentoring journey, the first thing you want to do is set a vision of where you want to go. That determines really everything else. Um, so our mentoring, we call it our spirit guide in this first one has been the world famous Bob Ross. Um, I don't know if you know him, the PBS painter who paints like the happy little clouds and um, you know, kind of get you get you set up for your vision. So he was our spirit guide, uh, not to not to keep us tied to what Bob Ross has to say, but the idea of really, you know, kind of setting your vision and where you're going. So before we jump into that, though, I'd love to hear if you could just give yourself give a little intro on yourself, and maybe we could chat a little about our relationship and how we got to know each other. Yeah, and I really want to talk about Bob Ross because I just um, I did a whole bunch of research on Bob Ross because. Uh, you may notice that I am not American. And so I had no clue who Bob Ross was. And I didn't really understand why you were getting so excited about him. Um, but uh, Lorna, if, if I may, this is Jimmy, sorry. Uh, because you've done some research, the most obvious question that must be asked initially is, on the hair, thumbs up or thumbs down for Bob? <laughs> well, I, you know, what I loved is apparently he hated the hair, but once he'd embedded it in his logo, he had no alternative. And uh, so I, I mean, the idea of him sitting with curlers in, in a hairdresser chair just fills me with horror. And that smell is horrific. But, um, but I think it's a great lesson in distinctive branding. Um, two things. First of all, smart move to make it happen and then not change it. Second, for everybody who's listening to this podcast, think carefully before you embed a personal characteristic in your logo because you will never be able to let it go. I, I mean, I, I was so close to the face tattoo of Bob, Bob Ross's perm, but I decided, <laughs> no, no way. 
Uh, and you know what was so funny that Jimmy, when we when we did, we we dug deep into Bob. He was a super big motorcycle guy. He was kind of like a really manly dude. Um, so surprising with his with his with his perm. But yeah, yeah. Besides, aside from the hair, he did set a lot of visions. He did, and the thing that I loved about him, I I, I really was, I really went down the sort of Bob Ross rabbit hole. You know, uh, one of the things I loved about reading about him is that. Um, you know, he was clearly really opinionated in in a few strong ways, right? He was clearly opinionated on on the sort of democratization of painting and and the fact that you needed to actually paint things that looked like things, which which was kind of a radical idea. But he seemed so humble and gentle and um, flexible. And and I think what was his big quote? Um, there are no mistakes. There are only happy accidents. I mean, magnificent, you know, and if you're looking for a mentor, I mean, now I understand why you chose him as your, as your spirit guide, right? Because this is, a bit, this is very cool. So, yeah. Leaves and trees, leaves and trees live in your brush. You just have to scare them out. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, so, you know, I think that's, that's really a strong part of the mentoring journey. So let me talk about how we met and then like, yeah. we'll, we'll go straight into that. So uh, I mean, you, you and I met through uh, a sort of a random series of, of coincidences, really, because I met your husband like years before I met you um, and because he and I were work colleagues in Shanghai. And then you and I met when you were doing some work for Danone in Paris. And what was interesting to me and continues to be really interesting to me is how um, our sort of relationship has moved back and forth in uh, like who's inspiring who, who's leading who, who's provoking who. And I think uh, it's really a nice metaphor as well that um, the idea that the mentor, I know that this is deeply embedded in your way of thinking about mentoring, is that this has to be a two-way thing and it's a constantly moving thing. Um, and certainly that's how I feel with between you and I, uh, you know, there are times when I think, oh, maybe I got something to add to something that Julie's uh, talking about or doing. And then increasingly, um, more and more times when I think, oh, man, I need to ask Julie about that. I wonder how I'm going to do that. And and I think that that is I mean, that's a cool that's a cool journey. And I imagine again, coming back to Bob Ross, that he would have been really open to people teaching him and helping him. So it goes both ways, always. So I think that's an important part of this mentoring vision of yours. Oh my gosh, I love that. I love that. You know, one of our last um, stops on our journey is what we call evolutions and kind of all the evolutions and the way things change over and over again. And I would 100% agree with that. I know when we first met, you know, I was so, I was so inspired by the work that you had been doing um, and your leadership and just the you know ability that you had to be leading these groups. And it's so fun now to be able to have it kind of flip back and forth, just like you said, where we can um, you know, continue to learn and to teach each other. And I think even Jimmy and I, you know, when we first met, um, you know, I was really in a bad place with my finances. <laughs> and Jimmy really helped me get that organized. And we've kind of gone back and forth a bunch of times to where we're now doing this together. So that, and I think that's, one of our whys of why we're doing this is just the specialness of these relationships that you can create over time where you continue to support each other and take care of each other. And um, what's really one of our purposes is how do we try to encourage people to think more about how do they create these great relationships? 
both on you know the mentor side and on the mentee side. Mm. So I love that now we're in this in this great position. And so I think as we're thinking about you know this vision, right? So I always say with Bob, what I love is that you kind of get to walk into his YouTube channel of a million episodes and say, well, what do I like? Do I like a bubbling brook? Do I like a cowboy sunset? Do I like uh, you know, I don't know, a picnic field with horses. You can kind of take a, a moment to decide what you're thinking about, where you kind of see your vision going. So that is why we set uh, Bob as our vision. So I would be curious from you, you know, your sense of, you know, your mentors and, and, and even as you have set visions for yourself um, in the past, what that looked like. Yeah, sure. Again, I, I mean, one of the reasons I liked him is, is how kind of low investment uh, a lot of his thinking is. And I remember years ago watching the Steve Jobs commencement speech and everybody was going, oh, Steve Jobs is such a hero and he's such a visionary. And I hated that speech. I really hated that speech. And I, I was kind of surprised by my own resistance. And then I what realized- was his speech about vision? Yeah, well, his speech was about yeah. the fact that he always knew that he was going to do what he was going to do, and that he wasn't going to um, he wasn't going to allow other people to 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 sort of um, mess with his vision. I mean, he and he and he and he sort of invoked people to find their inner knowing and 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 you know follow their inner vision. And I thought, oh man, I've never had one of those. And I was really, I was kind of part jealous and partly irritated that he assumed that that we were all supposed to have that. And I don't think that, I don't think we're all made like that. You know, I think it's a lot more random than that. And I think we go through phases of having a clearish idea about stuff. Um, but many of us, I, I just used to wander along and say, well, that looks like a good idea. I think I'll do that. And what about that? And what about that? And so I think um, we can, I mean, we can make people feel really bad if we demand that they dig out some, you know, humongous vision from the depths of their bellies, because it's not what all of us are like. And so getting inspiration from other people and going, oh, yeah, I kind of like the idea of a tree. But, you know, I don't like that particular tree. So let's kind of play. So, and, and I think that there's a lot of traditional vision thinking would criticize that as being kind of derivative. You know, you're supposed to have found your own from inside. And I think that's nonsense, frankly. I do think it's much more random and circuitous and experimental than that. So, Lorna, I'm curious, would you say that, you know, like, it kind of seems like what you're talking about the how do you draw strength on your uh like and from what ideas you get that from whether that's from your own internal kind of directive or whether you know there's a different natural source of energy you might have so you said you, you kind of i doubt you were actually wandering uh but uh you know as you said you might see something or hear something and you wanted to move in that direction could you give an example of one time where something came up that's very clearly played to your kind of natural strengths and, and sources of energy? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I have always been a wanderer. And so I love new things. I, I, and I've only really relatively recently worked out 
kind of why. Um, because when I don't know what I'm doing is when I'm most in flow. And so mm. when I can do, when I delude myself into believing that I've seen something like this before or done something like this before, I become too heady, I become too left brainy and I try to kind of get it right. But when somebody, you know, sends me or when I do something where I'm completely, you know, just about drowning, um, I, there's a flow of wisdom and energy and um, inspiration that comes to me. I think I discovered too late in life that there were other ways to ha have that same thing. I mean, I don't think I needed to move internationally 12 times to, to keep on, um, you know, being stimulated. But basically every time anybody asked me to go to another country, I would go, yay. Now, I mean, and I didn't really give much thought to which countries. It was just like, yay, that sounds like <laughs> new and weird and confusing. And so I'm going to go for it, you know. Um, so I think um, I, but, but almost all of those things were presented to me rather than sought out. And I do think that, um, or there were opportunities that emerged. And I, and I think for everybody who's on this journey, I mean, there are some people who are listening to what I'm saying and going, that's weird. Like, I've always wanted to, you know, start a not-for-profit that teaches people how to play the cello, and I'm going to continue to do that. I mean, there are people who are like that, and there are other people who are going to relate to what I'm saying and go, oh, thank goodness. You know, she didn't know what she's doing either, and she did okay. And so I think that there's something in that sort of self-inquiry that's useful at the beginning of this thing. And if you have a clear vision, cool. And if you just have an approximate idea of a few things that kind of inspire you, that's cool to start. And then let's go from there. That's amazing. Do you have like a, a feel for yourself or how do you describe your own kind of like, hey, I know that these things are going to give me satisfaction or like provide a certain amount of meaning. Like, yeah. like you have that rubric? Yeah. I mean, I, I um, I'm, you know, I think I think we all uh, understand ourselves a lot better than we think we do, um, and I think I realized relatively early on that I liked to make I like to make an impact and I like to get things done, but I also realized that I actually wasn't that clever and I wasn't that um, innovative, and that's that's. That's true. That's not humility. I'm sort of just clever enough and just innovative enough. But relatively early, I worked all out that if I wanted to have big impact, that I would need to lead lots of people because mm -hmm. I would need a lot of humans to get things done. And I, I also realized relatively early on, so I started off in food, then I went to pharmaceuticals briefly then I went back to food and then I went to banking for a couple of years retail banking and it was in that experimentation that I realized I actually belong in food and the reason I belong in food is they're my people um, there's something about the sort of um, the fact that that things are grown and that that we start with the earth and there's a sort of simplicity to it you don't get like super genius people working in food you get good humans as we're, as we're laughing 
as we're both food people. Yes, yeah. we're both food people. So we totally get it. Yes, you know, just enough. Yeah, and whereas when you're in banking and stuff, you're super clever people dealing with stuff that I don't even understand because it's sort of made up, you know, it's completely made up. And so uh, I realized I wanted to, I was willing to compromise almost anything to have more people working in my team because I really loved that sort of that drive. And I love that, that dynamic. And I loved the fact that um, I, I love the kind of excitement of leading um, and I love the excitement of leading in food because there was, there's something about that supply chain thing that 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 worked for me from the very you know from the very beginning to to the thing that lands up in the in the person's hand that and and food is I mean I I, I don't want to get too sort of fancy about it but it's sacred yeah it's it it is what you're made of our whole body is made of food that gets converted by this miraculous process into our bodies. And so it's actually feels like a really important responsibility. And so early on, even when I was selling stuff like Oreos, which you could argue are not sacred, depending on your perspective. <laughs> oh, I think um, there's lots of people who would disagree <laughs> on that. Yes. So I, I, but, it, but, but I kind of discovered that as I went along, it's not like I came out of university and went, yay, I know this thing. I'm going to be a big leader in the food industry because this, 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 and this, which I think some people kind of do are like that. And I also think some people pretend it was like that. It's, you know, it looks very different in retrospect. So Lorna, are you going to get into selling water considering we're about 70% water as humans? <laughs> well, she I, has. Have, I have done that. I have done that. <laughs> to I no have, waters. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, uh, Absolutely. But, yeah. and, well, and I love this so much because I, I really relate to what you're saying about that idea of you're not exactly sure what it all looks like, but you kind of know what it feels like. And what you're saying about that idea of leading, that idea of food, that idea of grounding, like there's kind of like, like Bob, right? It's like, he has like, you know, there's certain like, you know, got a couple of trees and you got a brook and you got what have you, like, you don't know how it's all going to come together. And I think one of the things that we loved about Bob, not to like, you know, belabor his point too much was that, um, you know, everybody's painting probably looks a bit different at the end, um, no matter what he starts with, no matter how sort of specific his directions are. Um, but I would be curious, Lorna, to hear a little bit about some of the mentors that you had along your way or people that you would have considered uh, mentors that kind of helped guide you on your on your journey. Mm. Yeah, it's great. I, I was thinking about that in anticipation of this podcast, and I was realizing that actually my mentors have fallen into three buckets. Really, one is the ones who knew me well in a work context for various reasons. So, for example, one of my best mentors is one of my best friends. Um, you know her, Glenn Glenn mm -hmm. Bates. Um, and she, you know, when I was a young brand manager, she's a little older than me. Um, when I was a young brand manager, she, in a division of, of, a, of a multinational, of a, of a kind of conglomerate, she was at that sort of conglomerate level. So she was like, you know, at the head office level, if you like, and she was in leadership development or all design or something. And so she has known me in a work context from you know, the mid eighties. And so when I speak to her about stuff now, and I still ask her advice now, 
Um, she has seen me in that world. Mm-hmm. And so she has a really good perspective. Of course, she hasn't seen me in that world lately and I've changed. And I think there's some things that she misses because, because I've changed. But I think that there's a role for mentors who know you well. And if I think about, like, I, I, you know, I had one guy who was my boss for a while, became my mentor long after I worked for him. And he, in fact, I'm still sad that I lost him. You know how you lose people sometimes. Mm, I lost him. Yeah. Um, but he, he, used, he knew me very well and he used to give me really tough feedback because I was, you know, I was a firecracker, man. And he, <laughs> well, you still are. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Oh, and he <laughs> used to say to me, you know, settle down, slow down, stop, look around, uh, rethink. Don't just keep going just because he, I remember one day he said to me, you're like a train. You know, once you're on the track, you just keep going. But sometimes you're on the wrong track. And nobody else could have said that to me unless they knew me well in work. So that's kind of one category. And I think that looking for mentors who know you at the kind of, you know, at the, at the basic level of your work is really useful. I think there's a second group of mentors who are people completely disconnected from my work world. And that's, um, I think you had a, like a Venn diagram. You, you, you mm-hmm. talk about that life. And one of the problems with any world that we happen to be in is it has its own jargon, it has its own language, it has its own way of looking at things. And we um, implicitly limit ourselves by staying in that world. So for example, one of my best mentors is an acupuncturist. And I met her by going to her for acupuncture. And of course, while you're lying on the table with needles in you, you say stuff about stuff. And she saw me and my world in a very different way than she would have if she were working with me every day because she didn't occupy the same world. And I I think that there's a really great opportunity to get mentors who are like from another planet from your world because they see things in you that, that the people who are close by don't see. So that's kind of my second category. And then the third, interestingly enough, I mean, one of the reasons I think this course is such a big breakthrough is, you know, my most disappointing experiences have been the ones that were sort of formalized, you know, where somebody said, this person is going to be your mentor and it's gone in the other direction as well. This person is going to be your mentee and you will like them and you will meet with them, you know, every month and you will discuss this that or the other thing which is kind of like you know i don't know somebody else grabbing your profile on tinder and swiping (laughs) on your behalf you know i i i don't think it works like that you can't have somebody else decide that and then it's really awkward i've been in embarrassing embarrassing situations in both times where i would kind of have to cancel like a lot um, or, you know, I just wanted the thing to end, but I didn't have the courage to say, you know, I think we're done now because that's not how they were set up. So I think one of the things that you, that you're really clear about in this program is constantly reevaluating, constantly evaluating, you know, is this thing still working for us? 
so Lorna, I don't know if I've shared this with you, but one of my best friends met his now girlfriend who just moved in on a dating app and somebody else might've been running that profile and making the messages to this. <laughs> and that couldn't possibly have been you, Jimmy. No, no, it actually it definitely was not, not have gone as well. Yeah, that, 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 that train would have been derailed very early on. Uh, <laughs> thankfully, it was somebody else. You know, well, you know, it, it could work. But, um, I mean, I think everybody, particularly in big companies, um, there are these kind of programs that are, you know, enthusiastically kicked off, but frequently ill thought through. And... It's not clear what the purpose is. And oftentimes there's this misunderstanding about mentoring versus advocacy. Mm -hmm. And the mentee thinks that the mentor is going to get them promoted. Mm -hmm. that, that, that's the most common mistake in big companies. Yay, I'm going to work with this person and she's going to speak to the big bosses and make sure that I get promoted. Um, and that's a misunderstanding of the mentoring relationship, right? And the same the other way, I mean, as a mentor, I didn't really understand, as a mentee, I, I never really understood the reciprocal nature of those relationships. Mm -hmm. I always thought it was kind of mentor to mentee, like sitting at their knee, looking up, you know, waiting for pearls <laughs> of wisdom to fall from the mentor's lips. Really ludicrous. <laughs> This is exactly why I think we've been so passionate about this topic is that it is exactly this really old school version you're talking about, which is like people getting smashed together. It's because they're in the same department or they're in the same, you know, division or they're in the same what have you. And there's no real connection of why these two people are, you know, in each other's lives. Right. Like you said, except for except for that that piece. And I think when we're talking about setting the vision and certainly in the corporate setting, the idea is you have one vision, which is to get promoted and to get to the next level. And I think what we're trying to, to talk about, and I love, as you talked about having your acupuncturist, you know, it really is about both like this professional, we call it like the Venn diagram of like your, you know, your professional goals or, you, you know, obviously there's, like you said, professionally wanted to be a leader or somebody wants to, you know, become a phenomenal innovator, what have you, there's professional goals, but then also how do you want to live your life? Yeah. Like what are people that you see who are living a life that you want, whether that is a life where they have a yacht and they're, you know, jetting around doing what have you, or is it a life where they have balance and they have, you know, it, it, again, there's not really like a, a sort of value to it, but, but can you, you know, find, a, find somebody who was basically, you know, doing doing things in a way that you want to be doing them and getting, you know, that sort of relationship with them um, and kind of, you know, creating your vision and then going forward from there. So I love what you're saying about having the variety of different mentors and people who have known you in different parts of your life too. I think that's so cool. Yeah, and I think you're making another important point through this whole course, but in the, what you just said, Julie, that, um, it, I mean, we make these strange distinctions in our lives. You know, we carve them up into little bits and then we sort of present bits that are open for discussion and bits that are not. And, and uh, that's not how we work. That's not how humans work. And I don't mean that you need to, you know, share the details of your relationship with your mother when you're talking to your boss. But I, I do think that, that 
if we're talking about having a life of of joy and success and um, and you know aliveness, um, there isn't anything really that's off the table mm-hmm. in that conversation. And interestingly, I was just I was just speaking to and you know I'm a coach these days for a lot of my life, and I just was talking to a new client, potential client, and. Um, you know, he had sort of packaged up these professional goals that he was trying to offer me. And and he was saying he wanted these things to go from here to here. So he'd sort of pre-thought, I don't know, you know, one of the leaves on the tree. Mm. And he wanted to discuss, you know, how the the shape of the leaf and the, you know, the veins and, you know, the color. But as I started to ask him about about his life, about who he is, about what matters to him, about how he spends his time. I mean, it didn't take longer than 15 minutes for us to to broaden this conversation, to involve the tree and what kind of tree and whether we wanted a tree at all. And I think we probably left the call with him having a very different sense of what's available because people, you know, I think people are, you know, I have a, I have a, 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 a a question that I ask people in my in my coaching is if if we could have a miracle in our relationship together, what would that be? And the the saddest thing of my life is how pathetic the miracles are. <laughs> God, well, I'm glad. <laughs> Whew, God, talk about tough love. Well, because- I, I my high school coach was tough when he was like, if I wasn't yelling at you, I don't care. But, but, I mean, no, if somebody comes, I mean, we're talking about your life, Jimmy. We're talking about this one precious, magnificent life you've got. And, this, mm-hmm. and, and it's exactly the same for mentoring. So I happen to be, you know, talking coaching. It's exactly the same. And I think it's a great question, by the way, to add at the beginning of the mentoring conversation. If you, we would have a miracle at the end of our time together, what would it look like? And if the best you can do is I feel slightly um, more confident when I meet with my boss – we don't understand miracles. We need to have a real discussion about miracles, you know. Yeah. And 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 I think that's another role of the mentor. Well, both, but but really a role of the mentor is to invite, pro, pro, provoke, challenge, encourage, whatever you, whatever word you want to use. Um, the mentee to really think miraculously. Uh, you know, one of my, 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 my coach, my mentor, um, says most of us create a masterpiece of a life on a postage stamp of possibility. And, and you know. Can you say that again? Say that create, again. His name is Michael Neal, by the way. Um, I want to give him credit. He says most of us create a masterpiece of a life on a postage stamp of possibility. So we narrow ourselves really early on. So if you take the Bob, the Bob Ross thing, uh, it was, it's as if Bob Ross were, were drawing on a postage stamp instead of drawing on a wall. And people tend to think much smaller than you would think they do. Mm-hmm. They, because they get kind of prematurely practical. They say, I don't want to, you know, think about miracles because I've got to have goals. Let's begin with miracles. You know. Prematurely practical. I love it. Yeah. 
I love that. And as we're talking about mentoring, I think that's probably what's been a lot of the problem with this mentoring concept is it is exactly like, you know, Bob in accounting wants to get promoted. And so he's going to ask, you know, Jim to be his mentor to help him get from point A to point B. And we even laughed, Jimmy and I, I mean, we've seen so many articles on mentoring and it's always like two <laughs> white businessmen <laughs> sitting next to each other with an iPad having a conversation. And that like any article on mentoring is really like this exact, um, like you said, a very, very small, narrow view of what this could mean, um, yeah, and, especially and, and often, in a professional environment. Yeah. I, I'm sorry, Julie, often, you know, Bob in accounting or whoever is the mentor is having a miserable life, but he's trying to pretend <laughs> he's doing great, you know. And so, I, I, and I think that the, you know, the underlying assumption here is that the, the our lives are that that there's something to get right you know that there's something out there for us to get and then everything will be fine that's not how it works right i mean we're um most of us if i asked the two of you um what is the single thing that has brought you the most joy in your life so far and you don't have to tell me what it is and then if i asked you did you plan that or intend it is the answer yes. Did you go and plan that thing that brought you so much joy? But, 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 mostly, but mostly the answer is no. Because mostly we land up, you know, we, we land up in love with somebody that we never expected. We land up having babies or not having babies that we didn't plan and that has been a surprising joy. We land up in jobs, in companies, in lives that we didn't expect and so i mean there's a serendipity and a kind of a magic in life and we need to keep the space open for that because otherwise you're just gonna get you know to be slightly less upset when you speak to your boss on a monday <laughs> which is oh not very exciting terrifying but i love this so much because this makes me think so much of bob and his amazing paintings and all the dramatic incredible places that he goes in his paintings they're all places i've never even been so i think the idea of this vision that is sort of beyond like you know he's not painting like a picture of the mailbox on the corner in front of his house he's painting these really amazing you know sort of vistas and these visions so i think you have just reaffirmed um and sort of even reinforced for me why this vision concept is like thinking beyond your wildest dreams or thinking beyond what 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 would like you know sort of the most incredible vista you've seen the thing that makes you cry that moment where you're like oh my god this is so beautiful like you can you can ask for that or you can kind of set that out as your vision it doesn't have to be you know uh a good conversation with your boss on a Friday afternoon or, you know, uh, becoming going from one level to another level in the accounting department. I mean, and, and if that is really your vision, that's great too, but you can actually ask for more than you would have thought of. Yeah. But particularly if you're really clear about the fact that there isn't a there there. I mean, I think mm -hmm. that there's so much underlying assumption that life is something that you're supposed to get right. And then once you crack the code of this apparent test that you just made up, by the way, um, then you're gonna, there's gonna be something there. You're gonna be happy. Well, it's not how it works. Like, it isn't how it works. There is no right. It's a magnificent meandering adventure. And 
we can be with, we can have got the thing that we thought we really wanted and be super happy. And we can have got the thing we thought we wanted and be super unhappy. I mean, all of us have been in situations where we like, you know, we shouldn't be happy, but we're not. <laughs> careful what was it, uh, careful what so, sorry yeah. are you saying that there's no way to complete the mentoring journey you must just enjoy your mentoring flow yeah i, I mean i don't I, I mean i you could notionally end it at some at some place of course you you, you can unless you want to live together for the rest of your lives but um and i think you can you can have i mean if you're if you're you've got this one precious life you might as well do something with it, which is mostly work. And, you know, Khalil Gibran, who is one of my favorite poets of all time, says, uh, work is love made visible. And when you work with love, you bind yourself to yourself and to one another and to God. And even if you don't like the God bit at the end, it, work is love made visible. And when you work with love, you bind yourself to yourself and to one another. And so you might as well have a work life that's magnificent. And so, yeah, you can set an end, um, but, but, but don't imagine that it's something you've got to get right. Do not be pre prematurely practical. <laughs> You're gonna, you're gonna remember that one, uh, Jimmy. Yeah, you're, you're, you're the best one. I, 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 you, you are my, uh, you're my muse for uh, my my podcast segment uh, called uh, "Let's Get Phrasy," uh, where you, you have the, Let's get crazy. You, you just have the best ones, uh, and uh, I, I, yeah, I, I really love the combination of, you know, kind of the prematurely practical alliterative comment versus that poem, which is really quite moving. And uh, yeah, almost kind of brings a tear to my eye of just like, it's, it's it really is emotional. You know, you can, you can, you, and, and you, and you can really attach yourself to either of those comments. And uh, it's, a, they're, they're both just jumbles of letters, but one is gonna have a very different connotation and react to some people differently than the other one, but they could both motivate individuals the same way. Uh, and I, I, I like the repackaging of, of an important, you know, concept. Yeah, I, I mean, thank you. And I also think that um, it's a kind of a useful um, kind of test for the visioning session of the mentor-mentee relationship, mentor-mentee sort of kickoff, which is what this is about, is... Um, does this bring you to life? Does it, does it make you, does it make, is it emotional? Does it bring a tear to your eye? Does it make you just, does it make your heart sing? And you can use whatever language suits you. You know, I know that some people don't like this kind of language. Use whatever language you, you, you need, but it's the, the sentiment is, needs to be actually deeply profound. And it's possible. I think that's what people don't believe. They don't believe that it is actually possible. Like you can have this kind of a joy. Well, I'd be, I'd be really curious that, you know, you've done so much coaching and mentoring, or you've, you've been a believer yourself in these uh, mentor relationships. You know, is there a certain, other than the poem that you've talked about, uh, like, is there a certain like favorite 
book or article, like even like just like a video form on YouTube or something that you always believe that it's important for a mentee or a believer for you to kind of read or get into, like you recommend before you talk or you recommend, you know, in between your second and third conversation, like what's something that you always kind of are drawn to to share to others? Yeah. um, This is almost always, um, it's almost always websites. Um, And of course, given that Michael Neal is my coach and teacher, I I recommend him a lot. He's michaelneal.org with N-E-I-L-L. I I also um, love a a podcast called Psychology Has It Backwards, Mm -hmm. um, which talks about the fact that the world has persuaded itself that that the solutions are outside and they actually aren't, and that um, we're magnificent uh, fountains of creativity and joy when we settle our frequently crazy uh, overthinking. So I love that podcast called Psychology Has It Backwards. Um, my current favorite new book is called Whole Brain Thinking by a woman called Jill Balti taylor um, And I don't know if you remember, she did a very famous TED talk on the fact that she had a stroke mm. Um, in and she because she's a neuroanatomist she could see herself having the stroke and it talks about the different hemispheres of the brain and it's a really very powerful handbook on the sort of linear um, planning time oriented part of ourselves and how you get to dance with the expansive connected uh, loving, spiritual, playful part, part of ourselves. And, and I think that I, I think a good mentoring relationship needs to take both of those into account. I mean, I think everyone has a slightly different appetite for this, and I choose my words carefully for some uh, people that I work with. But, um, but the spirit of um, sort of exploring our, ex- our creativity and, and you know, some people, even the most hardened business person knows that creativity and innovation is an incredibly powerful uh, deliverer of, of financial results, forget anything else. And so I think that's a really important conversation to have. And then I have another book, which is kind of my Bible, really, which is called uh, Invisible Power, which is about the the principle of, of, of kind of, uh, inevitable, you know, invisible wisdom that flows through us all at work by uh, three people, Manning, Sharbat, and Crot. So I'll I'll send those to you if you want. But um, I, I don't. Uh, I notice people don't have much of an appetite for books mm-hmm. anymore. They love podcasts. They love uh, you know, kind of YouTube videos and stuff. Um, and what I'll tend to do is do, you know, I'll. I'll send a few things and then see what happens. And then people will ask for more. I also subscribe like most of us do to many, many, many daily, you know, thoughts of the day about this, that, or the other. And some of them are really impressive. Um, And then I'll send different ones to different people, depending on where their center of gravity is. Wow. I love this, this idea of this invisible wisdom. I think that's actually really a lot of what we're talking about is setting that vision. And that's how you tap into it is that wisdom inside of you that says, you know, I really am interested in this or I'm interested in that, if that's what I'm drawn to. Lauren, I talk with Jimmy a lot about the warmer, warmer, colder, colder concept. Um, 
which I think is a lot uh, of that too. You know, you don't know why or you don't know how, but you know when you're on, you know, the right track and where and where you're going. And I think that's really innate in this in what we're talking about. Yeah, and I think what's interesting as well is is just uh, on the subject of of why we do what we do. Um, I I think that uh, again, I just had this conversation with this client. We we often know what we want. Um, but then we feel the need to justify it. So we'll say stuff like, no, um, I want to be promoted, comma, because when I get promoted, blah, 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 blah. And almost always the stuff after the comma is not very interesting. You know, the interesting bit is the stuff before the comma. And so because a lot of the stuff after the comma isn't for us, it's for the other people we're speaking to. So when we're listening to each other, I'm really interested in that first bit because that's generally true. So, um, and if people have a hell of a lot of stuff on the other side of the comma, it generally means, frequently means they don't actually want the thing. They're just talking themselves and, into and, it. And Lorna, you just walked right into my other favorite segment called That's Our Headline, where we're going to uh, talk about this show <laughs> as Lorna is, comes out against the Oxford comma. Yeah, that's how we market this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, that would that would be cool. Um, but but then um, you know it's funny. I I uh, because I'm as you may be able to tell, I'm not American. Um, I I really like what I would call a full stop rather than a comma. But in America, I have to say a period in full instead of a comma which strikes me as a very strange expression. I don't understand why it's not called a full stop because full stop seems to make much more sense to me. But anyway, yeah, so Lorna Davis comes out against the Oxford comma and in favor of Ooh, the Oxford, Oxford period. period. Full yeah. stop. And then the end, hashtag full stop at the end of the conversation. Oh, full stop. Yeah, exactly. And, and also agrees stop. with another non-American Shakespeare. First thing we do is kill all the lawyers who brought in all the commas. <laughs> Well, I don't know if he put the comma because of all the commas, but I think he said the first part. First thing we do is kill the lawyer. <laughs> Lorna, this has been so great. Do you have anything else to share with us around vision, around Bob Ross? Should we go do some Bob Ross paintings together next time we hang out together in Guilford? Yeah, I, I mean, I just think it's a, it was a genius metaphor. And um, so, you know, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens next. And I used your uh, your your thinking in a program that I did a couple weeks back, and it really resonated. It really does resonate. Oh, I'm sorry, I was meant to come back and tell you that. It really resonates. I think it's very powerful, and I love the name, by the way. All Jimmy. All Jimmy. He gets all the branding credit for it. You, you, you both are uh, way too kind. And, and Lorna, thank you so much. This has really been a treat. And... Uh, I am going to repeat prematurely practical way too often this weekend, and I will always mentally say you. You're welcome to it. I hope you enjoyed this episode with my amazing mentor and incredible friend, Lorna Davis, and your creative vision is ignited. Next week, we'll be exploring our second principle, setting your roadmap with the best explorer we know, Dora the Explorer. It'll be quite the journey, and we look forward to seeing you then. 